This is the Influencer Girl Lifestyle Podcast, episode 12. Hi, I'm Monica Woodhams, and this is the Influencer Girl Lifestyle Podcast. I'm an influencer consultant and success coach, and I'm interviewing entrepreneurs, influencers, and industry experts who are making an impact and influencing the world so that we can start to live a life that we are so totally obsessed with. Hey y'all. Okay, so this episode with Hannah McKeel was so much fun to record. It seriously felt like it just flew by and we could have talked for hours. So Hannah McKeel is the founder, CEO, and creative director of McKeely Creative, which is a digital branding and marketing agency. And what's really cool is how Hannah really talks about how when you believe that you can do something, you just make it happen. So she has a really cool story where she was a teacher. It just wasn't really fulfilling her anymore. And when she decided that she was going to take her agency full time, she scaled it so fast. Just in within months of it, she had a team, like not just interns, a true team. So I hope that this episode really serves as an inspiration to remember, like, trust yourself and just make it happen. All right, let's dive into the episode. Hey, y'all. I am here with Hannah McKeel. She is the founder, CEO, and creative director of McKeely Creative, which is a digital branding and marketing agency. I'm really excited to have her here on the podcast today because she has a passion for business and entrepreneurship, plus wellness, which y'all know that is just my favorite recipe for life. So welcome, Hannah. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Yay. Okay. So let's first dive in about McKeely Creative and really tell us what specifically you specialize in at your agency. So we have a digital marketing agency for what I like to say for dreamers and doers. So it's not your typical like 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 staunchy office, like really corporate. It's really fun. Like it's super fun. And the people we love to work with are creative, passionate, hustlers, go-getters, and dreamers. I mean, they have big dreams and big goals and we help them reach their goals through uh, web design, through coaching, through Instagram management and commercial photography. So really, we give these creative entrepreneurs the tools to reach their goals. I love that. And I love just even – I can hear the excitement in your voice about that. And I think especially if as the founder of an agency, you want to be working with brands and businesses that excite you and don't bore you. So Absolutely. I think that's really cool. Absolutely. And like we have been really, really blessed in that most of the clients we work with, I would say probably all the clients we work with have been so invigorating and just so fun to work with because they're so passionate. And like I I look at them and I'm like, I completely relate with you because I am so passionate about my business and you are so passionate about your business. And everything starts with a dream and this goal. And like the things that we do is we just bring what's already existing in their hearts and minds into fruition. And so that's just so rewarding for us. We have so much fun doing it. 
Yes, that's so cool. Okay, so but what's interesting about your story is that you didn't always do the digital branding marketing thing. You started out, you majored in elementary education and you were a second grade teacher. So let's talk about that for a second. I think that's really, I think it's really relatable. I think that there's so many people who start doing one thing and, and even don't take the step that you took in starting your agency and will actually feel like they need to do that for the next 10 years before they can think of what they're really passionate about. Oh my gosh, Monica, I have so much to say about this. Uh, You're going to have to edit me out some parts probably, but um, I get really passionate about people quitting jobs that they do not love. And I'll just give you a little bit of backstory. So I went to a charter high school where we, instead of taking high school classes, we would take college classes. So we had to decide really young what we wanted to do with the rest of our lives. And that's, you know, for a 15-year-old, that's a lot of pressure. So I I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a doctor. Like I want to be an OBGYN for a little bit because I just got an A on a science test. It was super hard. And I was like, I can do this. That lasted like, I mean, I think 24 hours, but um, <laughs> I wanted to be a vet. I wanted to be so many things. I couldn't decide. And then I went on this mission trip to the Dominican Republic and I was like, oh, I love kids. I love education. I want to use education to break cycles of poverty. I was extremely passionate about the education standpoint and I still am. And so the natural thing for me to do is just to say, okay, I will be an elementary school teacher. And I decided that at like 15, I was extremely passionate about it. And then I graduated high school. I went to college, graduated in three years with a four-year degree in elementary education. And all in the meanwhile, I was building up my photography business. So I started doing photography to raise money for that mission trip I went on. And I was seriously like 15. I just got this camera for Christmas. And I was like, well, you know what? Let me just do name your price photo shoots. So I like put this horrible, horrible ad on Facebook. Like not even an ad. Like it was my cover photo. It was literally the worst design I've ever – like looking back at it, I want to like curl up in a ball because it was so bad. Oh, it was so bad. (laughs) Nothing was branded. Oh, so anyways, I just kept putting these like horrible like little ads on Facebook that weren't like, you know, like now what we think of ads, but like they're just like pictures. And so like my personal network would hire me to take their photos and I would say, well, just name your price. Everything's going to help pay for my my mission trip. And so people would pay me $100 here, $150, $50, whatever they could afford. Um, and that worked really well. So then over the years, that just grew and grew and grew. And I was like, let me name my own price now, now that there's demand. And that just eventually snowballed into a business that really, I mean, it really took me through high school and college. So it was about seven years or yeah, about seven years of just photography, horribly branded photography. (laughs) But like, you know, it was like, you know, 2009, like we were all still struggling a little bit with our branding. So, um, (laughs) so anyways, that's how that happened. When I graduated or when I was actually about to graduate, I was doing my student teaching and this whole time people would ask me, are you going to do photography full time? And I would say, no, I really don't see myself doing this. What I see myself doing is helping people realize their potential and go after what they love. And I directly correlated that to 
teaching. I was like, oh, I get to help children realize their potential and live the lives that they want to live and go after it. And I really want to instill in them this idea that nothing is impossible. And that's why I went into teaching. And then I started my student teaching and you know, just from being connected in my city, people would come to me and say, hey, I need some help with my startup. And so I'd give them creative direction, all this like free coaching, Mm -hmm. um, which I'll get back to later, but graduated. I went into my first year of teaching. I had plans to get my master's in administrative or um, administration so that I could be a principal. And I went after it hard. I was trying to be ESOL certified. I mean, this was like this was what I thought my path was. Mm-hmm. And I was so set. And I remember my first year teaching, which was only last year, I hated it. Every day I'd go home and I'd cry. Because – and they they say your first year of teaching is really hard. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like I just wasn't happy. I was stuck in the same same place every day. And, you know, you go into it with this idea of like I'm going to change lives. And I know that in a small way, I did plant a seed of change and inspiration in one of those kids' lives, but it was not – I like to see results. And Mm -hmm. with teaching, you don't, you know? And there's so much, you know, other minutia that goes into it that over time, I eventually was just like, okay, this is not for me. And so after a year of teaching, I signed my contract to go back for a second year simultaneously, I'd been starting McKeeley Creative and building that from the ground up. Um, I guess not really from the ground up. Based on my photography business, I transitioned that into the branding, coaching, and all of that. Hired a team of three interns this summer between my first year and my second year teaching. <laughs> Cried thinking about going back into my second year. Went into my second year, which was just this past school year. And I taught August, September, and October. And I put in my resignation and I was done. And I couldn't do it. So that's in short, you know, without going into all the details of like what it was like to teach and like what that industry looks like. I mean, that is basically the gist of my, you know, my career path story. But it all worked out. Oh, my goodness. It was the best decision I've made. That's such a cool story. I really love that. And actually, one of the things that really resonated with me when you were talking about your story is how – in your first year of teaching, you're going home and you're crying and how people are like, well, it's hard the first year. But it's something that you knew inside was much deeper than just it's hard the first year. And I can really relate to that because I kind of went all in into what I thought was my dream job from the time I was 12 years old in fashion. I went through the Neiman Marcus executive development program. I just like was like trying to be like the top person and like try to get into the top office. And when Uh, I did, it was like all of a sudden I like went into just not depression, but just like, Mm. this isn't what I want. What do I do now? And I would go home and cry. I would wake up in the morning and be like, what could happen oh. that would make me not yeah. go into the office today? And you're like, I thought and I would be happy here. Exactly. And it's like all these years of saying to everyone, like, this is my dream and I'm going to accomplish it whether you think I can or not. I remember when I was like 14, someone telling me, do you know how many people want to be a buyer at Neiman Marcus? Mm. And I was like, mm, that's fine. I'm going to do it. And then it's like guilt 
because yep. I'm, you know, like so many people want this job or because I'm not living up to what I said I was going to do. Mm-hmm. I just really resonate with what you said about that because it is so much more than it's hard. Yep. Yep. I completely agree. And like, that's so, that's so cool that, I mean, you had that experience, but now you're doing what you love to do. And I'd love to hear more about that like transition because I, I mean, that's so, it's so integral in my story. And like, I resonate with that so deeply because, and especially the clients that my team and I work with, we work with a lot of specifically women. We know we don't specifically say we work just with women because we do have some, you know, male clients. But I mean, we really, really, I mean, I'm just passionate about empowering women. And like, I see a lot of times, I mean, it's the same thing. I went into this very female dominated industry. My parents loved it. You know, they were Mm -hmm. so excited about the fact that like I had a stable job with the government, good pay. Like they wanted this like white picket fence life for me. And like this idea of like, oh, you'll probably meet a guy in college at the Baptist university you go to and like you'll teach and you'll have this like perfect life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it was like, yeah, that guilt of like, am I okay? Am I allowed to quit if I'm not happy, if I'm doing quote unquote the right thing? Like, and then there's this idea of like, oh my gosh, like, am I going to disappoint my parents like as an adult I'm like am I gonna disappoint my parents like because I'm not giving them that like white picket fence life you know I might take a a little bit more of an alternative route here um and not have those stable hours not have that consistent pay and not have you know all of these things that you know I I actually do have those things now which is funny but like you know going into it at first you're thinking oh my gosh like I'm about to go rogue here like what's about to happen so yeah I totally understand like that feeling of of feeling guilty because especially like I mean when you go to school and you get a degree in this thing and you like invest all of your time into this and then your your parents are on board and everyone's supporting you and then you're just like oh wait I'm not happy and like I really have no reason to not be happy other than the fact that I know this is not my path. And so the women we work with typically are in jobs full-time and they're looking to get out of their full-time job and start a business doing what they love. So that's really our – the women that we work with most frequently are the women who have those full-time jobs or they're stay-at-home moms or they're doing something else but they're like, whoa, wait, like there's this idea in my heart that I need to bring into fruition and I need a website, I need a logo, I need commercial photography, I need social media help, I need coaching, like where do I start? And so it's really fun for me to have this this background. I mean, I don't know if fun's the right word, but it's it's, <laughs> it's cool. It's just it's yeah. just neat to have this story because I lived it. I'm able to help these women who are stuck in these nine to fives that they hate or stuck in this life that they're like not passionate about. Um, meanwhile, they have these beautiful ideas in their hearts. And so I've lived that. And so I had I would be I was helping women get out of their nine to five jobs and start their businesses. And I was still stuck in my nine to five. And a lot of them didn't even know that. I would just meet with them after school. I'd be like, Yeah, I can do four o'clock today. You know, so it's just really funny. Like, and then finally I was like, I need to like practice what I preach here. And that's when I really decided I'm gonna make that that jump. That's amazing. I love that you have a space that you've created for them, you know, that where they can feel comfortable 
going to you for this. And also like when they're scared, they have someone they can trust because it is scary to start your own business. Totally. And there is going to be the guilt or whatever fear is all said in like, even like you decide to buy the URL, so many people don't do anything with it for like a year. Oh, yeah. That's so true. They're like, I've, I've had this domain name forever, but like I don't know – I don't have a website or – you know, I completely understand. That's so true. Yeah. So, okay. So you kind of went through your timeline. So how did you know that it was time to grow your team? Because I see a lot of entrepreneurs who are scared to grow their team and they really just want to be that one person doing it all. So how did you know that that was the route you wanted to take? Okay. So – I okay. This is gonna my, this might sound kind of woo for some people because I <laughs> because I am very 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 like locked into like promptings and like just these feelings of like oh you should do this and when I trust my gut or whatever you want to call it it always always works out and it's always the right thing. So I had this like gut feeling. I would say, you know, I just brought on my team about, I mean, mind you, like I quit teaching in October and it's currently as we record this, I mean, it's like, what is it? Three months later. Mm -hmm. Um, And so between the time that I quit teaching and now I brought on three employees and they've been working with me for about a month. Um, and it's been going – I mean, it's just been absolutely just – I mean, everything about them. So I just felt this feeling of it's time. I just felt it. I was like, it is time to to bring on a team. So I had three names just through like my network that I knew of. And I knew I needed a photographer. I knew I needed someone for social media and I knew I needed like an executive admin, you know, to kind of take care of some of like the minutia of my business. And um, three names popped in my head. And so I called each of those girls and they said, hey, like I have this position that I think would be great for you. How are you doing in your current job? Because they all had current jobs. And every single one of them was like, it's really funny that you call me because I was just about to email you. Or they would say, it's really funny you would call me that you call me because I hate my job. I hate my job. I'm not happy. And they all quit their jobs and came and worked for my team. And it's just been the best thing I've ever done for my business. So there's like the, from the feely side, that's how I knew. But from a very practical standpoint, there was – I mean, there were just very strong indicators that I could not be the solo show here. Like I, I had to bring on a team of women. I've always dreamed of having like a girl squad team because I do believe there's power in numbers. I do believe that, you know, having a team of women who are creative and passionate about what they do um, and they're invested in your company and in your clients, you know, when they bring their ideas and thoughts to the table, there's power in that. And it's so beautiful to see what comes from that. But from a very practical standpoint, as having a background in photography, um, I just started to burn out. And I was so exhausted. I mean, I was running Instagram accounts for my clients. I was designing websites. I was I was the photographer. I was the graphic designer. I was all of these things. And it was working, but I also was super unhappy. And I found myself falling into this, this hole of unhappiness that was very similar to how I felt when I was teaching. 
And I was realizing that I was working more than I was teaching. I was not happy. I did not have the freedom I wanted because I was bound to all of these things and all of my commitments to my clients and my company. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I cannot do all of this on my own and be happy because I'm not going to be able to run all these Instagram accounts and engage with my client's audience because that's what we do with our Instagram management, um, build their websites, do the coaching calls and work on the the minutia of my business like accounting and can do them and I'm good at them, but I don't want to do them and they take up most of my time. And so I was like, where can I specialize that? So I thought for sure photography, because that's a huge part of our agencies providing commercial photography to our clients. So I was like, I can hire a photographer who I can trust to meet my clients at the time of their photo shoot and take beautiful photos and edit them. And that takes off so much time from my plate that I can invest in my business. So hired a photographer. And then I thought there's a lot of just, you know, like with running a business, there's just a lot of little things that go into running a business. And so I thought I could bring Mm -hmm. on a right-hand girl who can handle like my inbox, who can handle my website, who can handle Twitter, who can handle all of these like other things that I do not have time to do but are so time-consuming. So I thought, okay, I need an executive admin and then eventually I can work my way so where I'm not as hands-on with my business but I'm still overseeing everything, but she can be the point of contact not me. So I'm taking that off my plate, hours of inbox time. And then f- the for my third um, section of the things I wanted to delegate, I thought, okay, the next thing that's so time consuming is social media and running these Instagram accounts. I mean, from planning to like just curating the photos and like all the time and intention that we put into our clients' Instagram feeds. I mean, we take on this like it's our own Instagram feed. Like, I mean, we want these to be beautiful and so reflective of the hearts of these business owners that we work with um, because it's their baby. And like we are like putting this image out there on their behalf and we need it to be perfect. So that took so much time that I brought on – my social media director as support for me so that I can still oversee and plan and strategize for my clients' Instagram and social media accounts. But she can handle the things that are super time-consuming, like engagement and, you know, gosh, that's in planning, some of the planning and just anything else that goes into that role. So yeah, that's how I knew it was time from kind of a feely standpoint and then also from a very practical standpoint. Right. So what advice do you have to someone who wants to hire a team, but they're like not sure if they have to wait till like a certain monetary amount that they have coming in through income and profit? So is there like just that feeling that you get? What advice do you have for them? I think that you definitely know when it's time. When you are feeling burnt out doing the thing that you previously loved to do. It means that you have taken on too much and you have your hands full. If you are sacrificing the things that you love to do in your personal life, like reading or walking or hanging out with your significant other or your family, you are like sacrificing those things to pour into your business, doing things that you don't have to do that could easily be delegated to somebody else, it's time to hire. So like, for example, when I was wearing all those hats and doing everything, I would, I mean, my boyfriend would come over and we'd be watching a show and I'd be editing pictures, you know, which is normal. But like, I would be working from 7 a.m. that morning all the way up until 
I mean, eight o'clock at night because I had so much to do. And I mean, and it did cause a strain in our relationship because it's like, hey, like I need you to be present with me. And I'm like, I'm trying, but I have so many things I need to do. And so I think uh, just a piece of advice that like business owners can walk away from when even if it's you just started, it's I I mean, really, if there is any part of your business, if you're making enough income regularly to where like you can support yourself, but you have a little bit extra to where like you could just invest it in an employee or an assistant or somebody to help take that off your plate and free you up to invest in your business in a different way, then that's how you know. So like any part of their business where they feel like, okay, I don't necessarily need to be doing this. Like there could easily be somebody else doing this for me. Then that's, I mean, something that's so easy to just like delegate and hand off to somebody else that can do it probably better than you can at that point because your your hands are so full with so many other things. You're not able to devote all of your attention to that one task. Yeah. That's just feeling so true to me right now because actually three weeks ago, Sam and I went out to coffee like on a – I think it was like a Saturday afternoon Mm -hmm. and he was like, you have been on your emails (sighs) since before we left the house. And it was just like I needed that because it was like I wasn't even realizing it, you know? And so literally like two hours later, I – I hired a VA Good. because it was just like, I didn't want to be that girl who is just like ignoring the love of her life who's sitting right in front of her. You know, I didn't want to be ungrateful for that. But again, I needed that reminder because I wasn't even seeing it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like boyfriends are really good at <laughs> helping you realize <laughs> when you need to like put the phone down. And it's so – and it's yes. such a wake-up call too. So – recently too, like my big push has been balance. So I brought my girls on and they have been awesome. And of course, like I brought three employees on at one time, which was, I don't know if I would necessarily recommend bringing three on at once, (laughs) but um, there was just a lot that I learned last summer from having interns that I was like, okay, there's a lot that I learned about myself as a manager or like a, I hate using the word boss, but like as someone who's running a company and who has is paying for the time of others to invest in her company, like what are the things that are most important to like emphasize to my employees? And so like there has been so much time that I've invested in my employees just over like the past month of having them on board. And it has taken so much time. So what we've been doing is we have a studio and so you know, they'd be coming to the studio for a set number of hours a day, for a set number of days a week. And we would literally be in the studio all day together just working. And like it was so fun and we really got to know each other and it was really important and it helped set the rhythm of like what our work pattern would look like. Um, But I started to feel again – unhappy. And I was like, why am I always feeling a little bit unhappy right now? And it was because I started locking myself in to the same constraints that teaching had me in of like sitting in the same place from nine to five and you're not, you know, you're not free to go out and do things. You're kind of bound to this one office all day. It was so reminiscent of that, that I was like, oh no. So I gave the girls a surprise like work from home day and I like I needed the, I needed the day 
to go and get some things done. And they loved it. And the results were amazing. Amazing. And we had taken so much time in the front end to talk about what it looks like to be loyal to McKeeley Creative because I told the girls like, hey, like this is not about me. This is not about me. This is about serving our clients, our clients. This is about them. And I said, and just from a very practical business standpoint, when this company succeeds, you succeed too. And like, you know, for um, our executive admin, she does a lot of marketing and her motivation is watching the lives change of the people that we work with. And also it's motivating for her from kind of an extrinsic point of view because she's able to think, okay, if we bring on more clients, that doesn't just benefit Hannah. Like that benefits all of us. And so, I mean, it's true. And so we're really talking like what it looks like to be loyal to the company and invested. And it has just been so healthy. So then after like establishing that and me realizing, okay, I, um, like I'm still in this like constraint of like a nine to five, so to speak. And we started like arranging to work from home a little bit more. So now we have more flexibility and I'm setting the stage of like, hey, I'm not always going to be here and you need to be able to take initiative and run without me, without ha- without me constantly being there. And they've just been doing super well with that. That's amazing. I love that. And I love that on the front end of things, you really like oh, to, you know, to first. first. Because I think that if right from the beginning, they were just working from home, it would be hard to build that culture. Yes, exactly. And I kind of saw that too when I hired on interns for the first time. I think there was – I did not do a good job with establishing that culture of my like the company and I think it's because at the time I don't know if I had a clear direction of where I wanted to go with it, with this and I have such a clear focus and a clear vision and a clear direction and I'm able to communicate that effectively to my team and say this is where we're heading do you see it do you see it and they're like yes we see it we love it we want to be there that they're able to run with me whereas like before when I had my interns like you know I wasn't able to communicate that effectively to them. And I indirectly wasn't able to build that culture with them. And I didn't see great results from that. And I also, you know, I kind of have this belief now that you should probably hire an employee before you hire an intern. And yeah, so I mean, I'm just, yeah, I've just kind of seen this work with my company now. And I wish I could go back and just hire on at least one employee before hiring on an intern. Okay. Because I was going to ask you, do you recommend hiring the interns first or hiring the employees? So that's really interesting. That's so funny. It's just like I read your mind or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because in theory, you'd think, okay, like there's less risk with an intern, but maybe that's true in the short term. But what long-term decision does that mean? Right. So having interns, I mean, you are – teaching interns. The reason to have an intern Mm -hmm. is because you're able to impart knowledge and wisdom onto them and they're able to help you with your company. So it's kind of this wonderful trade-off. But with an employee, they're here because they're invested in your company. You're investing in them. Like you are expecting to see results and they are ready to work and hustle and get it done and like 
just, it's just amazing. So like having that, you know, difference too, a lot of times with interns, they're between college years and there's nothing wrong with that. And I actually had one intern who like was way out of college, but she's like, Hey, I just want to do something new. And I was like, okay, cool. But yeah, like a lot of times they're in between college years. They're not in it for the long haul. They're not, they're not totally invested in your company. They are here for themselves and for like, you know, pushing their career along, which is totally fine. But from a business owner standpoint, unless you have the bandwidth to teach your intern some some sort of traits or skills that they can use to run into the field that they want to go into, then I would just be really careful hiring an intern before hiring an employee. If you are looking for somebody to take things off of your plate, an intern is not going to be the right person to bring on first. I would say use your money, your you know, the income that you have from your business and invest it in somebody who is invested in your company. And then when you have the bandwidth to bring on a an intern that you can train and trust, you know, bring them on and say like, "Hey, now I can like help you and you can help me in small ways around my business." You know, like running errands or like social media or whatever that might look like for you. So this summer, I'm actually bringing on a team of probably three to four interns, which is super exciting. We're going to have a big team, but I have such clear focus for what each of them gets to do. And I'm not expecting the same results out of them that I am for my employees. Whereas like last summer, I was in, I was expecting, this is my fault. I was expecting employee results from interns who are not employees. And like, you you just can't. You just can't because they don't have that intrinsic motivation for your company. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And I mean, I think some people are like, intern. Oh, that means free, free, free labor. labor. Exactly. And as someone who was like an intern for forever, I literally was obsessed with internships in college. Yeah. That makes me so mad. I know. <laughs> Because it's like, no, respect the intern. But like at the same time, though, you know, half my internships can't say that I was really committed to that, you know, it'd be like, it'd be like, okay, this is either for college credit or so that I can get this next internship that I actually really do want. Exactly. You're like, hey, like it was serving you as an entrepreneur and you needed that at the time for you. And that's why internships exist because everyone needs to be an intern at some point. Like everyone needs to have that experience and push their career along and like learn. But like as a business owner and you, if you especially are in kind of the early stages like I was at the time – bringing on an intern or heck a team of interns like I did, it's a lot. And you might end up being more stressed and more tired and not as creatively driven because you're just like, how do I even like manage people who aren't getting paid? Like with my employees now, I I know like, hey, like, and I've told them this, I am paying for your time. And that's, first of all, your time is so valuable to me. Like I'm paying for your time. And I am investing, so I expect to see results. And like I've been super straight up with them about it. And they're like, yeah, we get it. We totally get it. And we respect you for saying that. And awesome, you, you're going to get results. Whereas like with interns, like what can you say? Like, hey, I'm going to teach you some yeah. tips and tricks about biz- the business world. And I expect amazing results. Like, I mean, there's just a little bit of a difference there. <laughs> Definitely. So – Okay, so bringing on this team, that was a huge part of bringing balance into your life as well. So what are other ways that 
you have really tapped into wellness and self-care in order to show up as the best boss and owner of a company? I have the easiest answer for this. I say no. I say no all the time. I am a no girl. I will say no to things that I do not feel like screaming yes to. If I'm not screaming yes to, if I'm not like, yes, oh my goodness, yes, 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 then I say no. And I say no to a lot of – I say no to coffee dates with random people that – and I say coffee dates as in like – I mean, I have a boyfriend, but like coffee – No, just I like know what you people, mean. I have, I have my inbox filled with oh, that right like, now. Hey, and I'm can like, we just get coffee? Uh, yeah, exactly. Like can we just get coffee and like I just would love to pick your brain. I'd love to talk to you. No, I'm sorry. No, like you can book an intuitive coaching call with me, but I don't have time. And like I can't constantly give, 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 give and pour, 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 pour all the time because then I'm not going to be able to really give and pour to those who matter. Like my boyfriend or my mom or my dad or my sister, my, you know, gosh, I mean, my best friends, they won't, they won't get my, um, my best, what is it called? Like my best foot forward or whatever. They won't get the best of me because I'm constantly just pouring into all these other things. So if I say no, um, I say no to working past a certain hour. I say no to looking at my inbox on the weekends. I really have set strong boundaries for myself to open up space in my life to focus on me first. And this could be as simple as like, I live on a nice walking trail. So like waking up and going on a walk to get coffee because it's like it's so it's so charming there's a little coffee shop like a, a quarter oh mile gosh. away from where I live and so I just get on the walking trail walk to the coffee shop and like I just go there and I can go there and like I can check my emails there but like at least I took the time to like get up and I walk and like get my coffee um it also looks like not stressing out about like very little things and like there is so much that happens in your life, like so many like annoying, just just things that happen, just so annoying. And they can really bring you down and you can get very discouraged. I mean, especially when people are being petty or like you have an unhappy friend or like person in your life or, you know, just I've gotten out of this idea that I constantly have to be a people pleaser. And I am really focused on making sure that I'm not – yeah, I'm not constantly pouring myself out to so many people that I can't give my best to the, to the people that matter in my life. Um, but yeah, oh yeah, I'm not getting – and I was also saying like not getting caught up with like the small things. So that's what self-care looks like to me. And like I do things like I get a weekly chair massage for 15 minutes and like I get my nails done and I, I really am focused on like let me get my – you know, just like get my my look going here and like be relaxed and like I love those little like spot treatments and so I do that but that to me is not self-care like it is but it's not yeah. the only thing that self-care is self-care is looking like saying no to things that you don't want to do and not stressing yourself out about the small things that in the long run don't even matter like it doesn't even most of the things that we worry about don't even matter you know what I'm saying so mm -hmm. that's what yeah. that the two things for me, saying no and not getting caught up on things that won't even matter a year from now or a month from now or tomorrow. Right. So you mentioned that you did have the people pleaser in you at one point. So what was the turning point for you to 
kind of leave that people pleaser. I don't know if it's an attitude, but just that people yeah. pleaser feeling tendency and being like, I'm going to be a no girl now. Yeah. Um, so I, it was with, with teaching, to be honest, I had no support for my admin. I had so much just, I don't know if any of y'all listeners are teachers, but if you're a teacher, you understand what I'm saying when I talk about teacher drama. There was so much of that. And then parents would treat you like horribly, horribly. Mm-hmm. Um, and not all of them, but there would be a couple that would just treat you like you're, you're not even a person. And, and they teaching expects you to work when you're not getting paid. You are contractually paid from 745, at least in my district, 745 to 245. That's when you are paid. And then you are expected to work and stay until at least 430. And I mean, you are expected to work on the weekends and just pour yourself out for this job that does hardly even pays bills. I mean, teachers have to get bartending, barista, um, librarian, I mean, just any sort of side jobs because it doesn't even pay. And you are constantly spending so much time for no thanks, for no reward, for no, no nothing that doesn't even make your life better or more balanced or more beautiful. Like your life is – you're sacrificing things in your life that would make you happy for a job that like there's no reward. So I became a no girl when I was teaching. And I just finally got to this point where I was like – it's like I just got woke. And I was like, this is ridiculous that I am doing this. No, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to stay past 245 if I'm not getting paid. I'm going to go get coffee with my mom. No, I'm not going to work on the weekends. I'm going to go hiking with my boyfriend and our dog. No, I'm not going to do – no. And like, no, I'm not going to sit here during your parent-teacher conference and let you talk to me the way you're talking to me. I'm going to put my foot down and say something. And so I was like, you know, and that might all sound really hard, but like – being in that position where you're just being rolled over in, in a job that, first of all, you're not even happy in. You know, it's like I became a no girl when I started valuing my time more and I stopped worrying about what people thought about me. I was like, I don't care if it makes you unhappy. I'm sorry, but this is the, for the betterment of my personal life. And I promise you, if we can fight together to just make both of our lives more beautiful and more balanced and more whole, like it's going to be better for all of us. And like, I think that's just a way better way to live is to encourage people to spend their time wisely and to not worry about what people think. Absolutely. My mom's actually a teacher and oh my goodness. The stories. <laughs> And like now, as you know, like as I've grown in my career, you know, because like when I was younger, like she would like tell about her day and I didn't really get it. But now that I've been in my career and really in my own business and making my own rules, she comes home and will share some stories. And I'm just like, why do you Why? How? I don't. It's so frustrating. But again, like she she loves teaching and she can't see herself doing some people. She feels torn. Oh, yeah. You know, like, because she's like, I can't support my students in the way that I want to because the administration is doing X, Y, Z. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's hard. It is hard. It's really hard. And that's the thing. It's like, and, you know, I was so passionate about teaching. And and I still am. I still am. I'm passionate about. And you teach. Yeah. You teach. Exactly. In what you're doing. Yeah. I told my parents. I'm like, I'm still using my degree. Look. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's true. It's true. It's just funny because I still help people realize their potential and rise to meet their potential, but it's just not with children. And so I think it's just my passion for that that I always knew I had inside me, which is a little, you know, it took a little detour. And so that's how I look at it. I don't regret going to teaching. I don't regret it. It's such a part of my journey. And I I loved so many things about it. And I loved those Mm -hmm. kids. I loved them. And that was what kept me there as long as it did is that those children. And so, so yeah, all in all, you know, I'm a way better person because of that whole thing. Yeah, for sure. So when you are talking about, you know, helping your clients in this way, what is the intuitive coaching come in. And for listeners who are kind of like, what does that even mean? Can you kind of like talk about that? Because I think that's so interesting. And I honestly really believe that a lot of times in business, there's so much about the strategy and the formula and all this that the intuition part actually gets forgotten. Oh, yeah. So basically what this looks like is and see, I want to just clarify, I was never like, and like I said, I was never like a woo girl. Like I was never like, ooh, like, and there's nothing wrong with that. That just wasn't me. It wasn't how I was raised. And like, I, but I've always been really good at like knowing like what we, I don't know if this was even recorded, but when you and I were just chatting earlier, like about just knowing if you're going to be friends with somebody and just mm-hmm. having that intuition. But I have always been really great at like just identifying when I am going to just click with somebody when I'm not. And so it's like kind of that's when it started it was like, I just kind of could tell about some people like, oh, I just know you're the kind of person that you are like, oh, like, I know you, you're going to be a great person or whatever. And it started there. And then when I started working with my my clients, I because I wasn't always, you know, saying I'm an intuitive coach, but I am and I always was. And when I started working with my clients, I would envision things for them and their company and their brand. It, I could just see it so clearly in my brain, so clearly. It was like I could just see it. And they would tell me about their dreams and tell me about their goals and tell me about their hopes. And they would tell me about what they want to do with their business. And then there'd be these very like little, little nuances, very little things that I could see. And then so I would ask them, have you ever thought about X, Y, Z? And every single time they're like, oh my goodness, yes. So like, for example, I was working with, I was working with um, one of my clients and they said, have you ever considered like what it would look like if this turned into writing a book? And she was like, oh my gosh, I've already started writing a book. And I, she did, had not even told me this. She had not even told like, it's just like little things like that. Like it might sound like, oh no, that's like a pretty normal thing to say. But it's like in that moment, like I feel something so strongly. And like, and it's like, I take, so I like to tell people like when you come to me in our, our consults, you put your clay on the table. You just give me everything, just put it all on the table. And I take the clay and I shape it into a brand because people sometimes get so like caught up in all the details. They're like, I don't, and then they're like, I don't really know where to start because I want to do this, this, this. And there's all these disconnected pieces. And I'm able to take those disconnected pieces and connect them and make a brand from it. And so that's where the intuition comes in is some things, some marketing strategies, you can't go by the book. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have got to just go by your gut. And I truly believe that every person is uh, has been equipped with a gut that they can feel with, that they can they that intuition, everybody's equipped with it, but not everybody taps into it. It's almost like a it's I mean, I almost said sixth sense, but then I was like, oh great. <laughs> 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 oh, great. I didn't even die. <laughs> 
<laughs> it, is, it is. And like, it's almost like there's a part of our brain that like, you know, you don't access all of your brain. You know, it's like there's mm-hmm. a part of our brain that like we don't access with our intuition. And like when we really do take the time to tap into it and ask our bodies, ask our hearts, how do you feel about this situation? Like, how do you really feel? Like, and sometimes you can't even like process it, but you just know. Does that make sense? Like, I think yeah. it's really hard to explain intuition. I think the- it makes sense for okay. me because, like, I feel like this is something I've been working on for a really long time and experienced. But I do think there was a point for me where, like I said, in high school and in middle school, like, I was really in tune with it. And then something happened along the lines, whether it was college or working in corporate, where I turned it off almost yeah. and was like, no, I have to follow this formula. I want a formula. I want a strategy. And so these past four years for me in my business has really been about tapping back into that because I've been craving it. It's like, I know there's something inside of me that like has the answer and I don't need to go to Pinterest and spend five hours on it. It's like, I have this feeling it's inside of me. Okay. So what do I do now to tap into that? Exactly. So yeah, I mean, and everybody has everybody has the potential to feel like that and to feel like, okay, I have that feeling. And it's just really taking the time to be quiet. And I think learning yourself as a person and learning like – and just really paying attention to, to other people. So like there's – you can apply intuition to yourself, but then you can apply it to other people. And that's what I do. So I have intuition that I use for myself. And I actually started using my intuition on other people before I even started using it on myself. And – when I started using it on other people, I had to think, okay, let me put myself in their shoes. Let me put myself in their position. And then also let me pay attention to them. Listen. You have to listen. You have to listen to these people and listen to what they're saying and then really piece it together based on how you're feeling. And like based on that like gut reaction of like when they say a certain thing, what's your gut reaction? That's your intuition. So – I mean, that I guess as far as like how to implement your intuition is really taking the time to listen, really taking the time to observe, and really taking the time to figure out not only yourself, but, you know, the people that you surround yourself with. Absolutely. And then from that point, even learning how to take action on it and respecting your own intuition, you know, by actually taking action and not ignoring it, which that's almost the scariest part. Oh, yeah. Especially if, like you said, the people who you surround yourself by, if you're around people who are like, don't do that, don't do that, as opposed to someone who's like, I trust you. I know that when you trust your gut, it turns out always for the best. Yeah. I Go for it. Because that I've been really lucky with my parents and that when I've made these different decisions. And I've always been someone who kind of does my own thing. I transferred universities junior year. (laughs) I I was going to graduate early. I was on track for that. And instead of graduating early, I decided to transfer junior year Uh, and start a new major from scratch, but still graduate within four years. So I was taking 21 hours for like three or four semesters. Oh my gosh. I I just apparently like working hard. I know. I'm weird. At that. <laughs> but- I'm the same way. I'm just addicted to it. 
<laughs> but so I've done all these kind of like zigzag things. And my dad one time, I think like three years ago, probably when I quit Neiman's actually, he said, you have done so many things based on your gut and it's always led you in the right direction that if this is that thing, then I trust you. And I think that's so important. More so, more than his permission, it was just that he trusts me. That was more fulfilling for me than like him being like, yes, do that. No, don't do that. Exactly. Oh, yeah. When, to have that support is huge. It doesn't even have to be from your parents, but just like if there's one person in your life who's like, hey, yeah, I believe in you. I see this with you and it's going to happen. And speaking that into existence, like, yes, that's so crucial. And so it's like to be that person for somebody else is just the most rewarding thing. I think that's what I love the most about coaching too is just being that person in their lives to give them permission to trust themselves. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're their cheerleader. And you're like tough love cheerleader because you're like, here's all the things that you need to do, but I promise results. Like it's going to be amazing. Exactly. So speaking of results, one of your other services is Instagram management. And I love this because your Instagram management is like full on Instagram management. It's not like I'll help you with this part of your Instagram. You really help them do the entire thing. Thing to take that stress off their plate. So how has this really changed the game for your clients? Yeah. So I actually started that service because I had so many branding clients say like, okay, but now what? Can you please just take over my Instagram? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I started that service based out of demand. And it has just been so much fun because we love to take Instagram feeds that look choppy or unorganized or like inconsistent And like we could obviously see like the person running this account doesn't love doing this. And we love taking that and just beautifully transforming it. And just we use like custom content, photography, because a lot of times people need photography consistently. Mm -hmm. So we take custom. Yeah. Well, so strategy gets you so far with that. But if someone like really doesn't either have the time to take photography or desire, because let's be real, not everyone wants to take pictures. No, I think that's huge because I think that's the missing piece in a lot of agencies. Oh, yeah. It's like they they just – they'll do everything else, but they won't do the photography. And then it's like, wait, for some people, that's the hardest part. Oh, yeah. And then they have to like find a photographer and have to go between all of these different people. And mm-hmm. they could just – have like I love being the one-stop shop. I love being able to have this holistic approach to the branding and saying like, yes, I, I get your vision. I see your vision. It's like we're watching the same movie together and I, I totally am here with you. Let's manifest this through photography and nothing will get lost in translation because I'm also going to be running your Instagram feed. I'm also going to be, you know, telling your story through that. I'm also going to be making your website. I'm also going to be coaching you. Like, so it's this really mm-hmm. holistic I mean, just amazing experience. So, I mean, it's just – it's fun. It's more exciting for me to be able to take them from A to Z and help them do what they love and give them all of the tools. I'm like, here's this this tool. Here's the photography. Here's the website. Here's the logo. Here's everything. And I totally am there with them and seeing where they want to go. So I'm able to like create all of this for them. And it's just – it's just a blast. It's honestly a blast. And from the client perspective – I can think in the last four years how for every different aspect of my business, I've 
jumped from different people to different people because someone needs to help me with my design. Someone needs to help me with Facebook ads, like all these different things. And I end up having this learning curve because like I have to explain them what I do and then like do the whole spiel. And it's like, I wish I just had that one person who like has the full story, you know, and is like being there with the full growth instead of just dabbling into different areas. Because I've actually even for my coaching programs, extended them now to being six months at a time instead of four. And they used to be 90 days because it's just the consistency is so important of being with that same person instead of like coach hopping, which I see all the time. Exactly. I totally agree with you. You know, being able to completely just give this time and this energy consistently to this client is like so great because you're able to get the whole story and you're able to see the behind the scenes and you're able to, to really help them because you know them. Right. It's, it's so important. And results take time. I think, you know, like, yes, there are parts of your business that all of a sudden it's going to feel like an overnight shift. Mm-hmm. But Truth be told, there was a lot of work that you put in to get you to that day where all of a sudden, you know, like it felt like there was like this overnight shift. And I think giving your client permission to have the space and not be like, okay, in 90 days, you have 90 days to see these results that I know you're capable of getting. And, you know, giving them that space to do it in a time frame that doesn't feel rushed. Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of times people just need room to breathe. Like we all do. We just need room to breathe and just to sit on it and be like, okay, like I can do this, but in time. Mm -hmm. Especially when, you know, the path might change. Like for your example of your client who um, was doing one thing and then you're like, what if you turn this into a book? Then all of a sudden the gears are going to change a little bit. So you need that time to readjust to follow that path that actually is more aligned with you. Exactly. No, I completely, completely agree with that. Yeah, totally. Oh, it's like it's like we do similar things or something. Like, do you, I, I know. know. <laughs> so, I mean, but so like you're like in the whole like branding and, you know, like business and, you know, bringing that to life. And I feel like I'm more in the like, you know, like helping – the influencer, the blogger, you know, turn it into the next level. And I think the two go hand in hand so well. well. So I think we should collaborate. I I was just thinking that. I was like, wait, like I need to send you a follow-up email. (laughs) I know. It's like my wheels are turning in the back of my mind. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much that we could do. Uh, Same. Can we talk about like a YouTube video together or something? Like, I know. I'm I'm willing to go on a field trip to Greenville. Oh, okay, I love Greenville. Cool. Okay, likewise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to wrap it up, I have two questions that I ask all my guests. Perfect. And the first is, what is your favorite lifestyle hack? Ooh, lifestyle hack is Google Calendar. And Google does not sponsor me or this podcast, but... <laughs> 
I love Google Chrome, but it should. But it should. So Google, if you're listening. Um, so I use Google Calendar to section off times in my life for personal time. So like I love, I have my um, calendars for McKeely Creative synced with Acuity and I use Acuity back and forth with my personal calendar. So like if I put something in my personal calendar, it blocks off in Acuity. So if I know I need to like put my head down, put the blinders up and get to work for like three hours, I can um, – you know, put that in my calendar and then Acuity won't let anybody schedule uh, for that time. So that's really great. If I just need to focus, I'm a little ADHD a little bit, like for real, <laughs> for real, for real. Like I'm not just saying that. And yeah. it really does help me because I'm like able to stay on task and get it done. Um, also with my personal time, just having that time already budgeted in there. I'm such a calendar girl that like if I see that I've scheduled myself for personal time, I'm going to go take a walk. Like I'm going to go listen to a podcast. I'm going to go just in, read a book and enjoy my my hour that I've sectioned myself out to. Because like, I know the work is going to get done. It will. And like I'm going to but make, I'm going to make myself the best person I can be though in the meantime. And I'm going to like have that personal time. So yeah, Google Calendar for everything. When I schedule coffee with friends, I invite them to that event via Google Calendar <laughs> and it helps keep us both accountable so we both don't forget. And like, yeah, it's just great. Yeah. I, I tried doing that with Sam and that didn't fly. So I asked Walker if he wanted to do a, a joint calendar. Yes, and that's he, what I did. And he was like, uh, and I was like, what? A, and then a couple weeks later, I was like, hey, I sent you a find my friends re- request. He's like, that is not happening. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Okay. So the second question is, what's your current morning routine? It changes. So I don't really have like a routine, but I do certain things in the morning every day. It just like depends. Like, you know, it's just in different timing. Like my dad has the same morning routine. He gets up, he works out, he's an author. So he writes, he reads, uh, he makes his breakfast. Like he does the same thing in the same order every morning. I don't really do that. I'm kind of more of like whatever I feel like doing in the morning. So sometimes I look at my phone in, in my bed and I know you're not supposed to do that. And I check emails. Um, sometimes I rush out of bed and I hop in the shower. Sometimes I take a slow morning. Uh, but I would say the mornings that are my best are the ones where I can just like wake up with my body clock, but before 9am and then just like make a coffee and just like sit for a little bit and like, you know, while my egg cooks or something, like I take a walk. Like those are my best mornings if they're just a little bit slower. So that's what I've seen for my morning routine. It's like I'm still trying to nail that down. Like I'm still trying to nail down like a consistent pattern, but I'm beginning to see in my life that routine is probably not the best it might not be the best thing for me. Like I think I'm kind of more of like there's certain things that I like to do and I do like I do yoga a couple times a week, but like I don't like feeling like I'm strapped into something. I don't like feeling like I'm um required to do the same thing every day or like every week and that stresses me out. So I'm more along the lines of like do the things you love to do, do the things that help your day, do the things that will make you a better person and do them consistently and then like have your day planned out. So something I also do every morning is I make sure my day is planned out. Like I have everything that I need to do. I have my to-do list. I have sections of my day um, roped off for accomplishing the things on my to-do list. So Yeah, I would say not a consistent morning routine, but just I do things. I have habits that really do help me. 
I love that. I love that so much. And to give yourself the freedom because and not just locking yourself in. I think that's so important. Oh, yeah, totally. That's just me. I'm like <laughs> clearly because like I didn't want to stay in a, a teaching job, you know, like I right. am running a business. I think as an entrepreneur too, it's like yeah. having the same thing every morning. It, it just it's I don't think it's our style. I don't think it is. Yep. <laughs> Okay. So where can people learn more from you, whether it's about quitting your nine to five or branding? You can come to my website. It's www. Does anybody even still say that? But anyways, it's <laughs> I do sometimes. <laughs> it's, oh, that's kind of nerdy. <laughs> I know. I'm like, does anybody even say that? It's mckeeleycreative.com. M-C-K-E-E-L-Y creative.com and that is my just my agency website you can find me on instagram at mckeely creative and you can find me on my personal instagram and that's hannah beth mckeel so and i mean i can spell that but it's just no okay I was, like, I was i was about to say it'll be in the show notes but i didn't yeah. want to like make that assumption so no, they will be and the links. So, and I'm also going to include the links to your guides on quitting your nine to five and the brand checklist. So Yay. y'all make sure after you finish listening to this episode, you go to the show notes and you download those because seriously, from what I know about Hannah, from talking to her today, like she's here to support you and truly do that. And the client comes first. So absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Monica. It was so great talking with you this morning and I cannot wait for our collaboration. Yay. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you soon, Hannah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Influencer Girl Lifestyle Podcast. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review. For show notes and free tips and trainings, head over to monicawoodhams.com slash podcast. You'll be able to learn more about this week's guest and how to connect with her as well. Talk soon, y'all.